At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome back, Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a practicing preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at the Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute at Baptist Health South Florida, as well as Chief Population Health Officer at Baptist Health. The holiday season is here, and while it brings celebrations and cheer, it also brings an increase in the number of strokes and heart attacks. Health experts are particularly concerned this year because hospital visits for strokes and heart attacks have decreased significantly since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Why? Well, because people are making dangerous decisions to ignore symptoms or delay seeking care for fear of exposure to the coronavirus. In a recent episode of Baptist Health's Resource Live program, we explored the holiday stroke and heart attack phenomenon, the factors behind it, ways to avoid it, and the reasons to always seek emergency care when symptoms arise. I had the pleasure of hosting the program with guests, Dr. Felipe De Los Rios, Medical Director of the Stroke Program at Miami Neuroscience Institute, and Dr. Leo Wynn, Chief of Emergency Medicine at Baptist Hospital. Let's listen in. Um, Felipe, let's start with a little level set. I do want to get into specifically what happens in the holidays, what symptoms we should look out for. I think we can bring in a little bit of heart attack as well. And then certainly we'll address the efforts that Baptist Health and we have put into place to uh, eliminate uh, the risk of exposure to COVID for people with strokes and heart attacks. But first, can you just speak a little bit about what is a stroke? Yeah, absolutely. So stroke is a very common condition. Um, Actually, one out of six people will have it throughout their lifetime. It's the fifth leading cause of death. Uh, And what happens is um, the brain receives, needs oxygen and nutrients that come through the blood to survive. And whenever you have a stroke, there's an interruption of blood flow to an area of the brain. Um, So that area essentially gets deprived of oxygen, nutrients, and, and doesn't survive very long. The brain doesn't store energy like some other organs do. So as soon as blood supply is cut, then that organ starts to malfunction and you can get permanent brain injury by that lack of blood flow. So that essentially is a ischemic stroke where there's a lack of blood flow to the brain. So I appreciate that level set. So, so if that's something that kind of happens mechanically where something obstructs a blood vessel and the brain doesn't get blood, why do we think this might increase in frequency during the, during the holidays? Yeah, there's, there's many reasons. Um, and one of them is uh, very common. People travel, uh, might forget their medications as well. And there's interruptions uh, of, of things that they need to take, be that medications for blood pressure or diabetes or aspirin, things like that. That puts you at increased risk if they're stopped suddenly, blood thinners, for example. Prolonged travel as well. If you're laying still in, in an airplane, for example, or, or a smaller Seats now, you know everything is about volume, and um, and if you're, it has been shown that if you have longer flights, eight hours or more, you have higher risk of getting complications um, than than smaller, uh, shorter flight durations. But that that applies to any prolonged car ride. You would be would be the same. Um, then there's things that change to your day to day. So there's um, that situation where people don't generally exercise and they're quite sedentary maybe. And then now they have time and then they start doing a lot of exercise all of a sudden and your body's not used to that. So that puts an extra, extra strain on, on your body as well. Or the opposite, where normally you do some exercise or relatively active and then all of a sudden you're, you're lying down or sitting on the couch or watching TV for prolonged periods of time. And that lack of movement can also predispose to clot formation. Stress. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very interesting when you think about the holidays as a celebratory time, which they are, but then the physical stresses of traveling, having to buy gifts, family dynamics, you know, we could- Emotional stress. Yeah, Emotional sure. stress has been linked to uh, arrhythmias, you know, heart problems and, and stroke as well. You, there's a, your body goes through a lot of changes during that time. And it's a very stressful period of the year for sure. Um, Leo, speak a little bit about, if you would, um, we talked about cardiovascular disease. So that's, you know, cerebrovascular disease of the brain, but also cardiac disease. Um, do we see the same kind of um, um, statistics and experiences with, with heart attacks around the holiday season? Yeah, we do. Um, it's actually been studied for quite a while for both um, stroke and heart attack, the increased uh, incidence. Um, and it does occur during the holiday. Um, and as, as um, Felipe mentioned, you know, a lot of it's preventable as far as, you know, overindulgence of, of food, um, alcohol, as well as salt intake. A lot of it puts a big stress on, 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 the, um, on the cardiovascular system. So, and additionally, I think the most important thing regarding strokes as well as heart attacks is, is timely care. Um, certainly with COVID, you know, everyone's a little more tentative in, in their daily life, um, but it's really important to distinguish um, a, a medical event and, um, and they have need immediate attention. So uh, a lot of what we do um, is, is very time dependent. So regarding stroke and heart attacks, um, time, time plays a very critical role. It's very important for, for everyone to realize um, with themselves and also people around them, you know, pay attention to, to people around you around the holidays. And if you see something, then um, certainly act upon it. I do want to get into symptoms and things people should recognize a little bit, but those, those comments are well received, um, Leo. So Felipe, what, why could, can you explain why getting medical attention at the first sign of a stroke, for example, is so critical? Yeah, so the brain cells uh, really require that oxygen and nutrients from the blood in order to preserve their, their, their function, their integrity, the, the structure. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, th those brain cells don't store energy. So as soon as that uh, interruption to, of blood flow happens, the clock starts ticking. And it has been shown that brain cells don't survive um, too much, um, mostly in the range of hours for the most part, uh, when that when there is a complete lack of blood flow. So the longer that that time goes by, the more injury the, those brain cells in, endure. And there's a point where it's, you can't recover uh, and those brain cells will die even if blood flow is restored, but if it's restored too late. So then that, that, that's irreversible injury and you don't recover. Brain cells, brain cells don't, don't regenerate like hair or skin does. So whatever injury there is, is permanent, but people do improve because other brain cells kind of train and, and get better at doing things that they weren't doing before, but, but you don't really regenerate brain cells like that. So being able to restore blood flow uh, before you have irreversible injury is key. And the same is true for heart attacks as well. The quicker one gets taken care of and able to restore blood flow, the less damage and the better they'll do. So to, to that end, um, Leo, um, in your role as head of the ER, what specific what specific um, roles are played by people? What do we do when someone comes in with what we think is an acute stroke or a heart attack? What, how do we preserve those, those brain cells? How do we work to uh, open up the blood flow as, as quickly as possible? Um, it's a simple question, complicated answer. So um, certainly there's a lot of work that, that both of our teams collaborated on with the, the neuro team and the cardiology team. Um, essentially, um, you know, we have protocols that, that really fast track because we understand that um, it's very time sensitive. So 
Um, rarely getting the patient to the diagnostic study, getting their EKG or getting their brain CT and reacting upon um, what, what those show. Um, and we have a um, really good system, obviously, as you know, since you've been integral in, in, in setting that up. And arguably, to your credit and the team's credit, when we have a person who presents with a stroke or heart attack, we're able to get those arteries open in minutes. And we, we measure it in minutes, not, not in hours. Uh, and also, it's 24-7, right? Three in the morning on a Sunday night, it's the same response as you're going to get otherwise. So I, I, I thank you both for helping build that and support that. Um, get a little clinical. Uh, Felipe, what are, and again, to the best of your ability in, in this context, what are the warning signs of a stroke? Or what are the symptoms that should make someone say to themselves or to a family member, you know, get to the emergency room right away or call, basically call fire rescue right away? Yeah, I think more people are familiar with the signs and symptoms of heart attacks. We see it in movies, we see it in, in a lot of other places, but for stroke is not that common. Um, uh, but what we focus is, is lack of function. So people are able to do something and then all of a sudden, suddenly they can't do something. They can't speak, they can't understand, they can't move, feel. Um, the acronym FAST, F-A-S-T, captures about 70 to 85% of all stroke symptoms. And what, what it stands for is F is for face. So you can have facial weakness. So one side of the face looks, looks droopy than the other. A is for arm. So there is arm weakness, uh, arm or leg weakness, usually one side. So it's not both arms, but it's usually one side being weak. The S is for speech changes, any speech change, meaning it's a little slurred uh, or the person doesn't understand language or can't speak normally. Um, and then the T is for time. Um, so because time is so, so important. Uh, and, you know, sometimes people say, well, but I'm really close to the hospital. I'll drive myself. I can get there faster than 911. But the thing is that not all hospitals can treat stroke. So it's important that you go to the right hospital at the, uh, at the beginning. Otherwise, you in incur delays of treatment. And then the other thing is 911 lets us know before the person arrives. So the whole team is much more ready, you know, to, to really streamline the process. Um, so 911 is the way to go. But with FAST, you capture about 85% or so of all stroke symptoms. Is pain a part of stroke? If someone's arm hurts and, 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 or neck hurts or something, is, is, you didn't mention pain. Is that a component of a stroke? It can be. So most strokes don't hurt, um, but ischemic strokes, we're talking where there's a lack of blood flow, um, but some can. So if there's the opposite phenomenon where a, a blood vessel bursts, um, inside the head, which can happen, that's about uh, 10 to 15% of all strokes, then, then that is painful, um, especially if it's by an aneurysm or so on the outer part uh, um, of, the, of the brain. That can be very, very painful. And people describe the worst headache of life. So if you do have a sudden onset worst headache of life, then, then yes. Uh, however, I will say that most people that experience that type of headache go to the emergency room because it's very, very, you know, it's very painful. So you wouldn't stay at home for, if you had that. Um, and, and Leo, uh, similarly, you know, chest tightness, chest pressure, we know most people having a chest symptom and not having a heart attack, but what recommendations would you give to uh, the viewers in terms of differentiating about, I'm not playing around with this, I'm going to call fire rescue because this is concerning. And by the way, it's totally okay for people who might be, who think they're having heart attacks and strokes to get it checked out and find out it's not. So we don't want to make it like the individual has to decide. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so it's, it's a common um, uh, set up as far as you know, eating a lot, and then um, then you feel like heartburn or indigestion. That's the most common um, symptom that gets mistaken for not being a heart attack. They always have a little indigestion and a heartburn, and they kind of sit on it and wait on it, and then um, it doesn't go away. 
And then uh, the next day they come to the ED where, where they lost valuable time. So um, the atypical presentations are, are actually very common. Um, so certainly the classical presentation of chest pain, shortness of breath, and certainly like a radiate to the arm or the jaw. Not everybody presents like that. And I think we all know that. Um, so pay attention. The key is pay attention to your body. Listen to your body. Don't um, kind of sweep it on the rug and hopefully it'll go away. Um, seek the medical attention. And, and you know, great. If, if you come to the emergency department or any of our um, points of care and um, it's deemed not a heart attack, then fantastic, you know. But sometimes you got to get the, get the work up to, to ensure that's not occurring. So, so let's bring this conversation a little bit to the COVID um, scenario. Um, we mentioned early on that uh, across the country where COVID was hitting hard, we saw decreased ER visits for strokes and heart attacks. Are, are you still seeing that? Um, if so, you know, what do you expect? If not, why do you think that's the case? And do you expect that to continue? Um, I'll start with you, Felipe. We have not been seeing that as of late. In, in April, uh, when we had the, the first wave, um, we did see that there was a significant decrease in ER visits. People were very scared to come to the hospital and they were not coming with life-threatening emergency conditions, which is a very bad decision because these conditions have a higher risk of death and disability by far than COVID does, you know, more than two, three times. Uh, of what COVID could, could do to you, uh, um, this heart attack and strokes will, will damage permanently someone's life. Um, but this time around, we haven't. We, we're, we're definitely seeing the COVID numbers go up. You know, the hospital is, is busier. We're, we're, we, we see that, that second wave. Um, but the, 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 um, I think from the hospital side, people are still coming, at least now, when, when they have concerns. And I think you made the important point, which is that assessment one has to make, which is my risk of getting COVID and even if I get COVID, my risk of a serious case, which we don't want to ignore, is less than the risk of having a stroke and staying home and not getting proper, proper treatment. So we really want to encourage people to seek emergency room care, call fire rescue, call 911 for both cardiac and stroke-related symptoms. Um, but we've also you know, spent great effort, time, um, thought in protecting people from COVID in the emergency room. So Leo, can you speak a little bit to the, to the viewers regarding what that experience would be like, whether it's for a stroke or a heart attack, which of course are critical issues for, or for other emergency room related visits. What, what have we done to decrease the exposure to COVID for someone who needs emergency care? Great, great. Um, so this has been a, a very large um, hospital collaborative right from the beginning. Um, and it's really separating the COVID patients versus non-COVID patients right from the point where they enter the door. Um, so we have a screener and we have separate processes for those patients to ensure that the COVID patients or the uh, persons under investigation are treated for appropriately as well as a non-COVID patient. So um, it's from the point you enter the ED, it's a separate process, separate waiting room. And um, we really worked hard to protect um, all the patients and all of our staff, obviously. Um, we, the proper use of PPE um, is, is critical and um, thankfully at Baptist we've never had any shortage and we're, we're always really on top of our um, supply of PPE. So I uh, take a lot of pride because it took a lot of work, a lot of um, collaborators, our executive team did an amazing job really to keep our patients safe. So and, and what we found um, to, the, to, to yours and others' credit is the documented exposure to COVID or people gotten COVID from the hospital, and this includes our employees, is really rare and certainly much less than the risk of getting COVID from the community. So in a sense, it is safe to get your medical care uh, in the Baptist health systems 
and you're not going to be exposed to COVID in any extraordinary way. Um, Leo, elaborate a little bit more, and I know this is something that I deal with quite often. Um, um, people have a sensitivity to getting their care because they're afraid if they're admitted, they can't have their family around them and, and visitors. And, and arguably, those policies really are to protect the patient and the employees. It's not just to be punitive, but where do we stand now at Baptist regarding visitor policies? Um, so good question. So, so number one is that we really understand the importance of having the family involved in the patient care. Um, so that's number one. Um, and, and there's always a balance of making sure we do it safely. Um, so in the ED, we do have, currently have a, a visitor policy to have the patient at bedside. Um, and we also promote um, if you're going to wait in the car, which will be uh, certainly uh, that's completely fine. We'll communicate via phone or FaceTime, but um, we do have a visitor policy um, in the ED um, as well as the hospital. Um, we do adapt it to the current wave and, and, and currently there are visiting hours and again we do everything we can to make sure that the family is involved with the care because that's, that's very important for um, the emotional um, well-being of the patient and the family as well as even actually the care given to the patient. Let's, let's talk a little bit about what people can do to be a little proactive maybe with the holidays coming. What, what general things and specific to the holidays can be done um, to avoid strokes and heart attacks. I'll start with Felipe. What kind of recommendations would you make regarding this holiday season and COVID um, to keeping people healthy? Yeah, I think uh, one of the important ones that, that Leo mentioned as well is, is alcohol. And, and binge drinking um, really increases the risk of, of stroke and heart attack, as well as accidents and, and you know, all other sorts of, of things. But, but uh, people sometimes um, go a little crazy and drink more than they should uh, during the holidays. And, and that is, the alcohol is associated with, with all of these. It's a big part of why the risk goes up. So um, just, you know, drink in moderation, uh, 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 take it calmly. Don't, don't get over, uh, try to not get over anxious with, with traveling and plan ahead. Make sure you have enough medication supplies to last the whole trip. Make sure you, you take them with you. Um, keep to your usual schedule as well. Um, I think that those will, will help. Be, be aware of, of uh, the protections that you need during these COVID times, because it's not just COVID. Uh, I mean, stroke risk goes up with all sorts of infections. Any, any other respiratory infection also increases the risk of, of stroke. We've seen it with other illnesses as well. So I think those, those things can help. Uh, I, I love the advice of making sure you continue your medications because we do see quite a bit people run out of medications. They don't, want, they don't want to be bothered to get them refilled. Maybe they have problems getting them refilled. Um, and that's a contributor. So uh, as much as possible, maintain your regular healthy lifestyle and medical care. Um, Leo, anything to add? I mean, it's, uh, it's, some of these are obviously universal and commonsensical, but they're, they're worthwhile being pointed out. So um, again, everything in moderation, listen to your body, pay attention to those around you. I think we'll keep everyone a little safer. And again, um, in this day and age, there's a lot of access to medical care. So um, certainly do not be afraid to seek medical care because it could, could save you or your family's life. If you'd like to watch the full episode of Resource Live, there's a link in the notes for this podcast. As always, if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for topics for the podcast, email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. That's baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and mask up. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.